If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Flashpoint, shining light on the issues that matter to you in Philadelphia. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Welcome to Flashpoint. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and the focus of this episode is on doctors of color who are continuing to fight the good fight against COVID-19. We introduce you to a cancer surgeon who's been at the forefront of community outreach as this pandemic has progressed. This is an opportunity for me to share that knowledge about COVID. Plus, Dr. Jennifer Caudill and I had a conversation about this new thing known as the coronavirus. And now, 18 months later, she talks to me again to describe what it's been like for her continuing to push forward and trying to end this pandemic. It is tough. But it doesn't discourage me. It's part of what I do as a doctor, which is to try to help people. Plus, we have the Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. That's all ahead of Flashpoint from KYW News Radio. Welcome to Flashpoint. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and this week's newsmaker is Dr. Monique Gray, the medical director of the cancer program at Grandview. Now, she's a breast surgical oncologist who specializes in treating benign and malignant breast disease. And it's noted that cancer patients are at high risk if they happen to catch COVID-19. Now, she's one of only two women of color leading in her field, and she's been at the forefront of community outreach as this pandemic has progressed. And she continues to be a face and voice of doctors of color in our area. And KWW Sherrod A. Howard had a chance to speak with her for Flashpoint. Dr. Monique Gary, also known as Dr. Mo, has blazed a trail as a black cancer surgeon, but also as one of only two women of color in her field. And as the pandemic has gone on, she's found ways of using her unique voice and position to build bridges into the heart of the black community. And she says being one of the only black women doing what she does helps to foster greater connections. But she looks forward to the future when she sees more people who look like her working beside her. So Dr. Mo, not only were you the only woman doing what you do in your field of work, but you wear so many hats, I can barely keep up. So I'm a reluctant unicorn, I guess I'll say, a breast surgical oncologist. So I'm a breast cancer surgeon and I'm medical director of the cancer program at Grandview Health. We're part of the Penn Cancer Network. Uh, I wear a couple other hats. So I'm also the director of the breast program and the director of the cancer genetics and risk assessment program there. And I'm on faculty at a couple medical schools. You know, when we look at Blacks in medicine, right, less than four to eight percent of physicians are Black female. And when you talk about surgeons, less than two percent of us are surgeons. And for the last several years, um, 
I was the only black female breast cancer surgeon in Pennsylvania in the entire state. We finally have another one uh, for, for breast cancer. And so when you start when you start paring down into specialties, it gets even smaller. And we're a pretty close-knit network. And many of us do know each other because we're all that we have in terms of support, in terms of referrals. And that matters in the black community because people want to go to a doctor that understands them, that gets them, that sees them. Uh, and, and patients look for us and actively seek us out. So the number of black physicians is increasing, but still not fast enough to meet the general population because we, we got some work to do there. And then COVID hits and there's already a reluctance in the black community to go to doctors because the trust just isn't there. And now you have people who have existing ailments who aren't going to the doctor. But then in addition to that, you have people who now possibly have COVID and they're not going. These things are compounding. How did you bridge that gap? It varies by the day. And by the month and by the year, I think for many of us, because we watched our communities really become devastated by uh, the coronavirus. And, and for me, I'm, I'm a cancer doctor, so I'm an eternal optimist, you know, and for every challenge, there's an opportunity, right? For for the wounds that have been exposed, whether it is in access to care, whether it is in utilization of care, whether it's in compassionate and, and competent providers to give that care there's an opportunity there. So I'm, I'm a surgeon by training. And the more the, the, the more open the wound is and the more exposed it is, the better the chance for healing. So I'm seeing what's happened, right? In 2020, we found that this, this devastation, you know how the saying goes, when America gets a cold, Black America gets the flu, right? So we watched us get the coronavirus and have difficulties because we're more likely to be essential workers. We're first responders. We um, live in multi-generational homes. We either don't have or, or or utilize poorly our insurance and our resources, or we rely on urgent cares and ERs and everything's been overwhelmed. And so there, there's been... Um, a lot of difficulty in the community, a chasm of trust between our community and physicians that has really been widely exposed. And we're still seeing the, the effects of that when you look at the vaccination rates. And what I mean is that we are not noticing that the Black community has a decreased vaccination rate compared to others, but that we could do better just as a community as a whole. We don't trust and, and for good reason. There is an earned mistrust uh, of the medical establishment. And there's a gap that Black physicians have been really trying and struggling to fill, but there are fewer of us to fill that gap. And you've been bridging the gap by putting yourself out there, by really trying to connect with the community one-on-one, -on -one, finding any outlet that you can to speak to people, to, to meet the community where they are. I think it's an imperative um, and it's a privilege, right? So I have this degree, I have this opportunity, I have this knowledge. And this is an opportunity for me to share that knowledge about um, COVID, about medicine, about utilization, about immune systems, all the things that are helping to, to make a healthier community. Um, and, and as a surgeon, you know, people will say, well, what are you doing that for? You're not a primary care doctor, but I'm a person who has a voice, a person who can explain things in a way people can understand. You know, I do it every day in cancer. My patients leave and they say, I remember you said my cancer was like a can of crescent rolls or biscuits and the can broke open. And I went home and I explained it to my family and they finally understood. You know, I think there's a, a gift to break things down in layman's terms. And there's a need to build trust between the medical establishment and the medical community. And 
in the Black community. And so that's my challenge. It's my privilege. It's my opportunity. So I do it every chance I get. I've been doing uh, online webinars, panels, you name it. You invite me, chances are I will show up, especially if you feed me. And, you know, I think it's just people need to see us. You know, young people need to see us. They need to know they can be us, right? You can't be what you can't see. It really comes down to visibility, right? I never saw Black female surgeons growing up. I only saw old white male surgeons. And, you know, when I told people what I wanted to do, they said I was crazy. And it's not crazy. It's attainable. And so that part of my job and my day is something that I love to do. And, and, and I probably should have a little bit more balance, but not right now, not until we are in better standing in our communities, not until COVID is passed, not until these cancer numbers are getting better because COVID impacted everything, not just lungs and, you know, vaccinations and, and missed work, but people missed their cancer screenings too. And now the pandemic, you say, is just exacerbating already existing issues, issues that were a problem for years. Absolutely. I think it's, I sum it up in a picture that I took one day. I was frustrated in the PACU when um, I had a number of patients who didn't show up for their appointments and they had symptoms, they had issues. And they said, nope, I'm quarantining and I'm not going to get this and I'm not going to do that. So I drew on a piece of paper, hashtag cancer doesn't quarantine, hashtag still here for you. And I'm standing there and I'm holding this page up like, please, sir, ma'am, person, human, whoever you are, please come in for the things that are bothering you because cancer doesn't quarantine. Just like the coronavirus is, is ravaging our communities and our respiratory systems, the impact of the virus on our bodies and our ability to fight off illnesses, to repair ourselves has been impacted. And so I see it in the cancer world by seeing patients who have more advanced disease where you might've had a little lump and now we've waited an entire year and that lump is bigger, that nipple's inverted. Now our cancers are in our lymph nodes and they're more you know, progressed. And we know that Black women have a higher mortality, 30 to 40% higher mortality, later diagnosis, later stage disease, all the, all the bad, all the bad is now worse as a result of COVID. And so I'm imploring people to please get their screening, get their diagnostic imaging, talk to their doctors, partner with their doctors. Um, and, and that's a drum I think I'll never stop beating even after COVID is gone. So you spoke about balance before and having all these balls up in the air, juggling constantly. How is this rewarding to you? What do you walk away with from all of this? I am learning to find balance. Part of that has to do with the other initiatives in my life. So like, but it really comes in hearing the feedback from people who call into the radio station and say, you know what? I listened to Dr. Mo and I, I talked to my doctor and I'm going to get my vaccine or patients who come in and say, you know what? I saw you on the webinar and now I understand that I have choices and I want to get treatment where before I wasn't going to get treatment at all and I was just going to do something naturopathic or homeopathic. Now I know I can do both. The reward is in patients coming back a year later saying, I thought I was going to die and you helped me to understand that I wasn't going to die, but also what living looks like and what wellness looks and feels like for me. That part of it, it's a pretty good reward and I'm enjoying watching more of our community get engaged and build relationships with their doctors and have these tough conversations around the kitchen table. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mel. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and in lieu of our normal panel, we're going to try something a little different this week. On March 18th, 2020, I had a conversation on a previous podcast with Dr. Jennifer Caudill, a board-certified family physician and an associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine at Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine. You've also likely seen Dr. Caudill on a number of television appearances throughout the last year and a half. Well, at that time, we had a conversation about what was the early days of this pandemic. Uh, what's different is that COVID-19, which is the name that we've given this, this novel or new coronavirus, is just that. It is new. And at the time, she had just started putting out videos to start dispelling the myths and conspiracy theories about the virus. Now she's doing that same thing, trying to dispel myths and conspiracy theories about the vaccine. And she joins us this week to talk about how much things have changed and how she continues to fight the good fight against misinformation and disinformation about this pandemic. So, Jen, it's great to have you here on Flashpoint and The last time we spoke was March 18th, 2020, on a previous podcast of mine. And that was a week into the pandemic. You had started a series of daily videos that were basically dispelling the myths and the nonsense and kind of getting a lot of pertinent information to people about this disease that we were still learning about. When you started doing those videos, what did you initially envision? Honestly, the videos I started doing on my own was it really came out of what I felt was a need to dispel myths and to talk about the things that was I was hearing on the street and from my patients and sort of reading. And it was just crazy because I didn't feel like these things were being addressed fast enough, say, in mainstream media or what have you. And we were in such dire straits that it's like information needed to be squashed as quickly as possible. What I did not expect was to still be doing the same type of work on the same types of topics. I think what's been disappointing and honestly surprising is, number one, how long this pandemic has gone on. If you asked me a year and a half ago when we first started talking, if we would be in this a year and a half later, I would say, oh, no. I would also say, if you'd asked me, would we be dealing with the same levels of mis and disinformation, et cetera, misinformation um, a year and a half later? I would say, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll be through that. <laughs> both of those are both uh, disappointing and sad to me that, that we're not only still in this pandemic, but that we're still fighting wrong and false information in some ways. I mean, look, I was fighting it fiercely a year and a half ago. In some ways, I feel like I'm fighting it even more now um, as time has gone on. So that's been tough. It's like climbing a mountain and you keep realizing when you think you've gotten to the top, there's <laughs> another thousand feet of mountain there. Good, good analogy. I actually pulled the clip of what you said to me on March 18th, 2020. Mm. More, this is exactly 18 months ago. This is what you said to me about conspiracy theories and whatnot. Conspiracy theories like that are harmful. How do I feel about it? Which is your question. I, it scares me. Because if we as black people or any people, if we think that black people cannot or don't get coronavirus, then we may be more likely to not take precautions, right? If you don't think you're going to get it, 
then, uh, you know, are you going to wash your hands and, and practice proper hand hygiene and things like that? Or are you going to social distance like we're asking people to do? My concern with uh, uh, conspiracy theories like that is that they can actually be harmful in the long run. There's a lot of craziness. Uh, I've done videos on some of the myths I've heard that garlic cures coronavirus, that if you spray yourself with alcohol, that will fix it. I've heard that if uh, hand dryers can kill it. I've heard so many, many different myths. I can't even think of them all right now. Now, 18 months later, that sounds like that would be ridiculous, because at that point we were talking about the weird idea that really spurred the first truly viral video you did that black people can't get coronavirus because, quote, I haven't seen anybody get it, so we must be immune to it. And instead, a year and a half later, it's the vaccines that are the source of the misinformation, and that directly affects our community. Two days prior to us having this conversation right now, Nicki Minaj goes on to her Twitter feed yeah. to basically say, despite having gotten COVID, refusing to get vaccinated to go to the Met Gala, and then proceeds to tell this really bizarre story about her cousin and him becoming impotent. And normally we wouldn't talk about these things. But yeah. she referenced that this occurred in Trinidad and Tobago. Basically, Trinidad's Dr. Fauci and their health ministry had to do an entire press conference to dispel what this was about. Nikki has such a huge fan base of mostly black people. The coronavirus has done so much damage to our community. As a doctor, how difficult has this become for you? It is tough. And honestly, there are days where it's discouraging. You know, my videos get hundreds, sometimes even you know thousands of comments. And, you know, there is a large number of comments on every COVID video, you know, comments from people spouting myths, comments from people saying they'll never get the vaccine, the vaccine is bad. You know, I keep doing what I do. And there are a lot of amazing Black physicians and non-Black physicians out there that are spreading the word of, you know, the importance of the vaccine and COVID. And what I love to see, by the way, is that physicians, whether we're on television or whether we're doing our own videos or whether we're on TikTok, um, Instagram stories, I mean, you name it, different platforms spreading information and spreading accurate information. That is what's really inspiring to see. It is tough to answer your question. It is often discouraging, but it doesn't discourage me. It's it's part of who I am. It's part of what I do as a doctor, which is to try to help people, to try to help my own people, African-Americans, and to help all people. But the hard part about it is the fact that there are so many people who still believe in misinformation. This is why it's not over. Before there was a vaccine, people wanted to get back to work and get back to business as usual without taking precautions. And even now, you know, we're fighting mass mandates and things like that in schools. So yes, it has been tough, but it's it's honestly one of my life's missions, to be honest with you at this point. So it's it's just a battle. It's a fight that I think so many of us are in. Now, when you think about where we are now, again, a year and a half in, What are some of the good things that you've gotten back? Because you've reached a ton of people. Well, I mean, honestly, I have to say, whereas as much as there are haters, so to speak, and I mean, anybody who does uh, media and who is or social media, honestly, we all get negative comments. But I have to say there's a number of positive comments that come through and it really just makes my day. You know, every now and then I'll get a message from someone who says, you know, I wasn't going to get the vaccine, but I heard your videos or I listened to what you said and, and I decided to get it. I often get patients from people who've seen my video in the Philadelphia area who seek me out as a physician. That is tremendous. 
tremendously encouraging, you know, uh, but besides from that, I get a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, I encourage questions because to be honest with you, it's often how I know what myths to dispel and what things to address in my videos. Now, before we head out of here, what is something you can say to someone who is still, I'll use the term cautious. We have seen where the unvaccinated are the ones who are dying and unbelievable numbers absolutely and the vaccinated younger people too yeah crazy especially for the black community for the for people of color in general what is something you want to say to them get vaccinated right now but talk about it tell people you got vaccinated you're getting vaccinated it's amazing what honestly just hearing what a neighbor a friend a cousin a hairdresser whatever does and how that can influence someone else Okay, this is not about going around and shaming people, regardless of what race we are. However, the idea of not getting vaccinated for whatever those reasons that are not legitimate. Right. And there are people who cannot legitimately be vaccinated. But let's not encourage that. Our default should be vaccination. We should want everyone in our community and in other communities to be vaccinated because that's our best assurance that we're going to stay alive. I personally appreciate your work, my friend, and God willing. In another 18 months, we won't be sitting here talking about this. Let's pray, okay? Let's pray. <laughs> That's Dr. Jennifer Caudill joining us here on this episode of Flashpoint on KW News Radio. If you're considering home care for yourself or a loved one, Patriot Home Care makes it easy with a caring and compassionate staff. Don't be overwhelmed by all the choices. Let Patriot Home Care help. Patriot Home Care is growing with offices throughout Philadelphia and now in Delaware. Patriot is accepting caregivers and new clients virtually as well. At Patriot, you will love what you do and feel rewarded by taking care of people who need your help. Patriot also offers some of the area's best pay, benefits, and a $600 sign-on bonus to new caregivers. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is presented by Patriot Home Care. Hey, y'all. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. Now, she's pretty well known to Philadelphia and beyond. She's the founder of Philadenko and recognized as a pioneer in the dance industry locally and internationally. At a young 89 years old, she's quick-witted, she's an icon, and she is the moment. I could go on all day about the accomplishments of Miss Joan Myers-Brown. I stopped by her dance studio in West Philly to chat with her because Auntie Joan, as the kids like to call her, is setting the stage for retirement. Joan Myers-Brown is a Philadelphia legend, trailblazer, and visionary. Her contributions to dance and performing arts have opened doors for many, including former star students like Leslie Odom Jr. and Lee Daniels. One of her proudest accomplishments... Well, I guess getting my award from Obama. But really, what I really feel good about when I go to the theater, stand in the back of the theater and the kids are dancing, and then people stand up and applaud them. She founded the Philadelphia Dance Company, also known as Philadenko, in 1970 when black dancers were systematically shut out of mainstream ballet. It's a whole lot of black girl magic in this world. We just need to have opportunity, right? You know, like I said, I don't want to get up some days either. But then I think about people are dependent on me or looking to me to have an opportunity. I Brown will be a spry 90 years old on Christmas Day. She's not ready to call it retirement yet, but she is passing on the torch. Everybody's talking about your legacy and who you're leaving and who's got, you got to carry on. So I have to prepare for that. It's called succession. And though she's preparing for the end of an era, she hopes that her dance school and the pathways she's created over the decades will have longevity. It's important that people know that dreams do come true. You know, it's sometimes you, 
You get knocked down, you just get up, keep pushing. So many of my friends are not here, and why am I here? Why are you? Do the Lord's work. <laughs> she says when the time comes, she's looking forward to more free time and fun in the sun. Going to the beach. My nephew's a doctor, and he has his office in Nassau. He said, come on down, auntie. So, you know, I'm going to head down there with him and sit on the beach all day. As always, you can find this full story on our website, kywnewsradio.com. If you know someone making a difference in your community, let me know. I would love to highlight them as our next change maker. You can tweet me at A-R-L-E on air. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. And there you have it. Another episode of Flashpoint is in the books. I want to thank all of you for checking out this week's show. And remember, the podcast version of this episode will be coming up real soon. Be sure to look for it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So for Sheridan Howard, for Antoinette Lee, and for our super producer, Ariane Fulcher, I'm Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. And remember that hope, as always, it's still not a strategy. We'll see you next week. Flashpoint is a production of KYW News Radio 1039 FM. For more, go to KYWnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint and subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast wherever you get your shows. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives.